Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. We have been in the book of uh, Job for this month. And divine providence had it that we should be going through this book in this, in this month. Look at what is happening in our world around. Let me read a new script that I read. Corpses lie in the streets of Maripol. Hungry people break into stores in search of food. They are melting snow for water. Thousands are huddling in the basements, trembling at the sound of the shelling. People are dying everywhere. People are becoming desperate. People are afraid of chemical and biological weapons. And even there are talks of nuclear weapons. Peace ceasefire talks are breaking down. Safe corridors are no longer safe. Millions have been displaced from their homes. Many have become refugees in other parts of the world. And even the refugees are being exploited. What I'm talking about is the attack that is unfolding right before our eyes in Ukraine. Last week when we were in Spain, we were able to see a local artist in Sitges who captured the two nations. I had the picture, I don't know whether they have it to show you. But beautifully he portrayed, in his own way, he depicted what exactly is unfolding in that part of Europe. Last week marked the two years anniversary when World Health Organization declared COVID to be a pandemic. March 11th of 2020 is still so fresh in our memories. More than 6 million people have lost their lives to COVID. In our nation, nearly 1 million people have lost their lives. And all of us sitting here today, this morning, some of us were affected with COVID or we lost someone to COVID the last weeks and months in the last years. Endless suffering and pain aggravated for so many. And we know in the year of 2020, so many people could not even attend the funerals of their loved ones because we didn't know how to handle this virus. So much of human suffering. Where is God in all this? Why does he allow such things to happen? Why do good people suffer the most? Why it seems that God is so distant to us in the middle of all this pain and agony? Why is God so near to us in our prosperity and seems to be so distant away in our agony and in our pain? Questions like these, we can abound, we can ask, compound, and so many questions that come to our mind. But let me tell you, church, we may not be able to find answers to all of those questions. I still remember three years ago when we lost our 
my brother in law pastor anand my older brother in law stood at the funeral service on and he said this statement which still reverberates in my mind we have too many questions but few answers to give next month will mark the 15th anniversary of one of the deadliest shooting in the university campus of virginia tech 32 people died newspapers across this nation asked where is god where is god in all this one bold pastor responded god was right there in that chaos god was right there as they were being gunned down god was right there when the blood was oozing in the university campus floor you and i serve a god who knows you and i serve a god who understands you and i serve a god who has first hand knowledge of what it means to experience violence because he experienced death on the cross of calvary from golgotha from gethsemane to golgotha he endured pain and agony only he can identify with you and me in the middle of our questions and as i shared a few weeks ago the cry on the cross is still a legit cry my god my god why have you forsaken me if he could cry out in a question before god who are you and me when we raise our questions it is a legit question to raise before god so as i was telling you in all divine providence god enabled us to walk through this book of job in the valley of suffering for this month of march now this is the colossal suffering that the world is enduring the world is experiencing all around us what about us many of us are walking in our own personal journey a new diagnosis that may have left you shockingly in despair in pain in agony or death of a loved one we have here sister jasmine who lost her grandmother in kerala last week and others who may all be going through different stages of our life and it could be a suffering or it could be a pain and agony or maybe we are right now you are sitting here and you are enduring pain in your body and you've been asking lord when will i when will i see and enter this as pastors sometimes we are overwhelmed by the endless valley of suffering and we are prone to ask lord don't you care for your people many times we have cried out like the disciples have cried out in the boat master don't you care that we perish nadha njangal nashichu povunnil angeki vicharam illayo i found this text the other day and i sent it to a pastoral team the book of job brings us to the edge it confronts us with failure and with suffering for which there is no explanation it faces us with the inadequacy of ministry with the inappropriateness of some forms of preaching with a god who seems silent callous unfair and remote we are forced to rethink our prejudices rethink our theology rethink the meaning of pastoral care in the face of injustice and suffering rethink what we say about god and though at the end of the day the book brings us back to the all sufficiency of divine grace and stands out among the wisdom literature in the bible as a plea to see things from a divine 
not a human perspective. There is a long and painful and arduous path to climb before we hear the Lord speaking as he does at the end of the book from a whirlwind. Chapter 1 and 2 are indeed painful. Chapter 3 to 41 is indeed painful. But then you hear the voice and again in verse chapter 42 you come. Job is able to address and say, Lord, until now I had only heard about you, but now my eyes are able to see you. But till we reach that point, it is a difficult journey to climb. It's a difficult journey to climb. Pastoral care becomes challenging, difficult sometimes. Perhaps we approach, we come to this book, we think that we may get all the answers to our questions. We may not. But the book assures us, nonetheless, that God's eyes are always on his children. In the Bible, we have assurance. You know, we are going to sing the song, Blessed Assurance. That's the only assurance we find, that his eyes are still watching me. His eyes are still looking at me. Amen. Sometimes it is in most difficult moments. Sometimes it's the most difficult, the valley of the shadow of death, that oftentimes we find that his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Isn't what the psalmist says in Psalm 23? Hey, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they sustain me, they comfort me. Sometimes God takes you and me into that, into that valley whereby you and I are able to experience his rod and his comfort. The comforting rod and the staff of the Lord. Sometimes, sometimes he takes you and me as servants of God in our pain, in our frailties. So that his purposes, so that you and I get a gain and heavenly perspective of things. I love this statement that A.W. Tozer said, not in, in context of Job, but I read this in a different context, but he said something like this, and I quote, God is looking for men and women in whose hands his glory is safe. Can I repeat that again? God is looking for men and women in whose hands his glory is safe. Job is that kind of a man. Job is that kind of a man in whose hands God's glory is safe. It is safe in the hands of Job. Because you and I will never understand, never able to understand. And this is why this morning I was, I'm, 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 I'm in my heart, this, this desire to talk about the incomprehensibility of God. The incomprehensibility of God. That we may not understand why verse 8 is the most difficult passage in this, in this, in this book. Chapter 1 verse 8. What does one, chapter 1 verse 8 say? And Lord said to Satan, the adversary, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my servant Job? And I've been baffling, and I've been battling this question, Lord, why on the earth would you talk to Satan, point him out, and say, look at my servant? 
I could somehow survive and I could somehow live my life even though I may have some pain and some agony. But look at his life. What a, what a, what a, what a beautiful life portrayal was it, isn't it? His family is doing great. His finances are doing great. His fame is spread all over the world. And I have to add one more F. His form is really good, isn't it? His physical form. But now, chapter 1 and 2 unpacks you that all these four things were stripped away. All his, his finances. If there was, if there was a, a post, a post of Uz, a post from the East, it would have said, the billionaire, Job, has been stripped. His stocks and investments have become zero. He's become bankrupt. Everything is lost. We consider, we, we take pride in our families, isn't it? Our children. They are like the, one of the greatest blessings we have. All his ten children are gone. In an instant. His fame. His fame. He himself is saying, in, in, as you continue to read, there were days when I would come and people would stand up at the city gate. Probably he was a council member, I don't know. You know, people who stand up at the city gate. But now, when I, when I come, they just shun away from me. They don't even care for me. My name has become like, like, like a stench for them. So his fame is gone. His finances, his family, his fame. He thought at least I have my body, isn't it? <laughs> we all take pride in that, isn't it? We love to do exercises. We want to keep it trim. We want to keep it like, you know, Good looking. We, this morning itself, we, we groomed ourselves to come here, isn't it? Even though we are wearing a mask, we still groomed ourselves. You look at him, from crown of his head to the sole of his feet, he's covered with what? Source. And he's taking a portrait and he's scrapping himself. He thought that he had at least his body to himself, but even that is stripped away. His strength is stripped away. Yet, this man is able to say, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken. Blessed be his name. Church, worship may not be pleasant all the time, but it is precious in the sight of the Lord. Can God, can God entrust his glory in your hand and my hand? The Bible says that God never shares his glory with anybody. Isn't it? But he wants you and me to be partakers of his glory. That's exactly what Jesus said to Martha and Mary. If you believe, you shall see what? The glory of God. So there are times in our life he wants you and me to experience his glory. Sometimes, you know, some scripture passages indeed intrigues us, baffles us. There are other stories also in the Bible like that. Abraham, for example, take. You know, we read only in Job that there was a heavenly council that was taking place and Satan came there. I often think something of the similar happened in, in Genesis chapter 22 also. There's a heavenly council and the Satan comes and God says, where have you been? Oh, I've been just going back and forth. Hey, have you considered my servant Abraham? Have you considered my servant Abraham? See, he's just received his blessing, the promise that I told him when he was 75 years old. See how he's enjoying? He's 9900, I gave him the promise and he's really serving me. And the devil would have incited God, God, I mean, you gave him, come on, just, just ask that blessing back from him. See what he, how, how does he respond? 
Can you see the same, the background story in other parts of the scriptures, which doesn't make sense to us? Church, sometimes that is what the Lord is calling us. How do we approach this book? I know Pastor Linson last Sunday, he mentioned some of the background details of the book and also its, its place in the wisdom literature of the Hebrew Bible. So I'm not going there. But how do we approach this book? Number one, this book should make you and me more sensitive to human suffering. This book should make you and me more sensitive to human suffering. February 24th, the first day, the Ukrainian conflict. We all be praying. Since then we have been praying. But as the days are prolonging, what is happening? Our hearts have become desensitized now. COVID, in 2020 when it started, we all were meeting together in prayer almost every single day in prayer. Then after that, we also reduced our prayer line to weekly three days. Then now it's only weekly one day. Sometimes as time flies, you know, we become desensitized. This book teaches us very simple truth that human suffering, we should always see, we should have the sensitivity to see the pain and the suffering of others. We may not need logic. We may not need explanations. We may not even need a theological position with regard to suffering. All we need is just like Job's friends did in chapter 2. What did they do? When the Job's friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, Chapter 2, verse 11 onwards. They came, each from his own place. Eliphaz, the Timonite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Nemethite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. Why? Because here is a man, a friend, who in his prime was looking so good looking. But right now, from top to head, from crown of the head to the sole of his feet, he's covered in sores. They could not recognize him. What did they do? What did they do? This is empathetic, empathetic counseling church. They raised their voices and wept. They raised their voices and wept. They tore their robes and they sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word. I wish they just didn't open their mouth at all. We would have 14 less chapters to read in the book of Job. I remember several years ago, you know, sometimes, you know, when I say talk about sensitivity, we oftentimes cry just by watching a small clip of an emotional, you know, clip. I remember back in those days, we were not supposed to watch movies and all. A new movie had come in Kerala and all the Bible college students, we were all going on a, on a, on a trip. And uh, in, the, in, that, in that bus, which had a DVD player, one of our friends, he got a pirated copy. You know, of course, you cannot go and publicly buy. So he got a pirated copy of a new movie that just got released. It was a great theme and it was a great emotional story. So Bible school students, we are all going towards uh, an excursion and they put this movie and everybody's watching. But you know, we are so tight, you know, because of our spiritual upbringing that we won't watch this. The movie is so emotional, everyone is so gripped. 
But no one wants to show their emotions. Until we stopped for a, a, a break halfway and we saw everyone had tears flowing in their eyes. We are very good to fake our emotions, isn't it? Oftentimes we get here in, in our Pentecostal uh, uh, funerals also. Recently I heard about uh, you know, a mother saying, hey, my son died of cancer. No need to cry here. We are celebrating his life. Nothing to cry about here. Sometimes we just stifle our people even to cry. Because we tend to think that what? Crying is weakness. No church. It's not weakness. It is not weakness. If someone is crying because they are going to miss the physicality and the presence of that person, it is not weakness. Let them express their emotions. That's exactly what the friends of Job did. They came, sat with him seven days and seven nights. Nobody spoke anything. They were only crying and weeping with him. Sometimes you and I don't need to say anything. You don't have to say anything to anybody. Sometimes we just need to go and just be there. One of, the, one of the worst examples that we often use in the middle of pain and agony is to quote scriptures. And we are good at quoting scriptures, isn't it? Romans 8.28 is a favorite verse for all of us. Or maybe it's Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I know the plans I have for you. When someone's child is dead and we go and quote there Romans 8.28. I'm not denying that the scripture is powerful, but Maybe we need to become sensitive to their suffering because it doesn't make sense to them at that point. It doesn't make sense to them at that point. They bec they're raising questions. Let them ask their questions. Let them address it to God because he is faithful to answer them in his time. That's what I'm saying. We don't need sometimes to give explanations. Sometimes we tend to think that we need to give an explanation for God, we have to somehow safeguard the integrity of God. We don't have to do that. That's exactly what the friends are trying to do. Job, you have sinned. They are trying to find, you know, that, that argument. You have didn't, did something wrong. You sinned. Therefore, this is all happening. You're suffering because of your sin. We're always trying to find that argument. Trying to find some way. But that's, we are not called to do that. Sometimes, you know, secondly, we need to become more and more aware that there is more to suffering than what meets our eyes. There's more to suffering than what meets our eyes. You and I are not privy to what is happening in the heavenly realm, isn't it? We don't know what is ha happening there. Today, you and I are able to read the book of Job, chapter 1 and 2. Think about it, guess about it. If you didn't have these two chapters, what would you have thought? The complete perspective changes, isn't it? But today you and I got chapter 1 and 2 to read. So we know that there is a heavenly realm that is out there. And there may be God doing something that you and I don't realize and understand. Each story, every story has another side to it. A spiritual reality. A third truth that you and I must hold very clear as we approach this book, as we read this book, is this. God's favor brings prosperity and material prosperity and material blessings but we must not absolve ourselves from living in the shadow of God's presence. 
അനുഗ്രഹം ദൈവിക സാന്നിധ്യം അനുഗ്രഹങ്ങൾ നൽകുന്നു എന്നാൽ ദൈവത്തിൻ്റെ ഷാഡോവിൽ ജീവിപ്പാനും ചില സമയങ്ങളിൽ നാം പഠിക്കണം always god is may not we love to be bask in the glories that god gives us isn't it we want to read psalm 1 and we say here is a man righteous man planted by the streams of the living waters he bears his fruit in his season what a great blessing whatever he does whatever he does he prospers but church what about psalm 6 what about psalm 13 what about psalm 42 what about psalm 73 these are also experiences of god's people you're not only planted by the streams of living water that we will be blessed and blessed and blessed no we may have to sometimes walk through the valley of the suffering pain agony sometimes you and i are called to live in the shadow of god's presence and the shadow is difficult for us sometimes isn't it is unbearable for us that's the irony that this book thrusts upon us god seems to be so close that he seems to be so far the balance that you and i should hold in perfect tension all the time is this god you have revealed yourself to me in creation you have revealed yourself to me in the scriptures you have revealed yourself to me in your son yet there are things that i do not understand lord i hold your revelation and your mystery in perfect tension i hold your revelation and your mystery in perfect tension finally the big question of job is job chapter 1 verse 9 and this is what the devil is asking the big question that we need to grapple ourselves with the enemy is saying satan answered the lord and said does job fear god for no reason why do we serve god and i have been asking this question to my family the last several days I asked my wife why do you serve god she said because god needs to be served because god is god great theological answer isn't it great biblical answer you cannot go wrong with that I asked my children johan hasn't answered me yet janice janice started to answer but she was going on a different tangent she suddenly thought that it was i'm asking about serving in the church i said no he's not serving in the church i'm asking you why do you serve god and i want to leave you with that question this morning church why do you and i serve god what is the reason you and i are serving god that's the question that the devil is bringing always you know what you have given him fame you have given him family you have given him finances you have given him a good health that's why he's serving god that's the reason he's serving god just strip away everything will he serve you strip away everything will he still serve you strip away strip away his strength strip away his job strip away his fame will he still serve you coming back to the statement from aw tozer god is looking for men and women in whose hands his glory is safe heaven declares heaven declares and pastor and last sunday he so beautifully said devil is just waiting and waiting waiting to see yes right now he is going to curse he is going to curse he is going to curse but there arises what shouts of joy shouts of praise and worship church you and i may not understand everything about god why he does sometimes it's okay incomprehensibility of god doesn't mean that we 
are unable to know anything about God. It simply means that we are unable to know completely, exhaustively everything about God. We will continue to know God. We will continue to know God in every single day of our life. As we continue to read God's word, as we continue to meditate God's word, as we continue to be in prayer, as we continue to be in community, in fellowship, we will continue to know God more and more in a personal way. In a personal way. As you continue to read the book of Job, this morning also I, I almost read like 19 chapters. And I started seeing how this man makes sense of his suffering. There are those moments in his life he says, he speaks words like this. Reading chapter 7, he said, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. When God spoke to Job in the whirlwind, God never chided him, never reprimanded him, saying, hey, why did you speak like that? God was a little bit upset with his friends who were trying to say God is righteous God is just he cannot do these things because you have sinned therefore these things are happening but when it comes to Job his cry was before God you know what Job says his complaint for the arrows of the almighty are in me have you ever felt like that, that the arrows of the almighty are in me my spirit drinks their poison the terror of God are arrayed against me. Very powerful words. I loathe my life. I will give free utterance to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Painful words. Difficult words for us to understand. Church, this morning we need to acknowledge this. We have been given a revelation of God. But that doesn't mean that completely exhausts that everything that we know about God. There are still things that we will continue to know about God. We'll still be learning about God. That's why our faith is so important for us. That we continue to rise in faith. We continue to build our faith. Because every single day, we will continue to know God. And in eternity also, in eternity also, we will still continue to know God. We will never be able to exhaust God. If God is a subject that you and I are studying, you and I can never master that subject. But whatever the scripture has spoken to us about God, it's true. So we may not know exhaustively everything about God, but whatever we know, we know it truly. We know it truly. Because he has revealed that to us. So shall we close our eyes as we go into a time of prayer. As we, as we worship the Lord this morning, church. You know, this morning, let's be assured of one thing, that his eyes are always looking upon us. Sometimes when you are, are in the most difficult, refining moments, we may tend to think, we may tend to think that we are away from the presence of God and God is not looking at us. Last week, we were watching a potter on his, on his wheel. And he was shaping and sharpening the clay. And I kept looking at him. As the clay was on the wheel, the potter's eyes were upon that clay. His eyes were upon the clay. 
and it brought assurance to me lord no matter what i'm going through you are looking down on me your eyes are constantly watching me so i rest assured in that lord everything i may not understand but it is okay for me it's okay for me and if there be voices within me if i'm crying out in anguish in pain i will allow lord i will be compassionate to those who are crying out in pain lord i will see like friends of job we will sit down with him lord we will weep with them we will be there for them lord that's all we can do and just assure them the lord is watching the lord is watching thanks for listening to this week's podcast If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.